It's been quite the roller coaster ride of a season for Notre Dame, and now it's time to reflect, reminisce, and hand out some postseason awards as we look back on the 2023 season. That's next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Thursday, December 21st, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. All right, it is time for one of my favorite shows of the year. Luke Smith is going to join me in just a moment to hand out our postseason awards. I know the season isn't technically over yet, but with all the opt-outs and transfers and everything, the bowl game honestly feels more like a part of the 2024 season anyway. So we're just going to uh, go ahead and do it now. But before we get to that, I'm going to give out the same disclaimer I did in yesterday's show. I am taping this on Tuesday night because I'm about to leave for Florida, take some time off to be with my family over Christmas. So if any news breaks between the time of this recording and Thursday morning when this episode gets released, I'm sorry. I promise to address it on the show in the very near future. But for now, it's time for the awards. All right, Luke Smith is back with me here, and it is time for the most prestigious postseason award show in college football. So if you're new here, Luke and I created a list of awards that we handed out in the preseason. Some of them are pretty common, some are not. And today, we're going to announce each award and what it means, then we'll say who, who we picked to win it in the preseason, and then we'll hand them out to the official winners now that it's pretty much all said and done. We've got a bunch to get to, so Luke, take it away. All right, first award is the Club Fever Award, also known as the Freshman of the Year. For those not familiar, Club Fever, rest in peace, was Michiana's hottest nightclub that essentially the entire student body of Notre Dame went to, but particularly was popular with freshmen. The winner uh, in the preseason, I had selected Jaden Greathouse. I think that would have trended pretty well if he hadn't been injured, but I have to begrudgingly give this to Rico Flores because he did leave lead well he also left but he did lead the receivers <laughs> and snaps um really was a mainstay was kind of the only receiver besides chris tyree that didn't really seem to get hurt and he played really hard and though he's far from a finished product it's it's hard to imagine where notre dame would have been without him this past season that said he's gone and we'll never speak of him again okay well before we silent or before we stop saying his name until the end of time, I also have to give the award to Rico Flores, and I also took Jane Greathouse before the season. And honestly, with the way that Greathouse finished the year, he did still kind of have a case. I didn't think he would when he was dealing with that hamstring injury that kept him sidelined throughout the middle portion of the season. But he did lead the team with five touchdown receptions, but Rico was more consistent throughout the year, uh, led the wide receivers in snaps as a true freshman, which, as far as we know, it might never happened. Uh, we don't really have the stats to go back and look that up, but he had more receptions, more yards uh, than Jane Greathouse, so I got to give it to him. And he was Sam Hartman's most trusted target by the end of the year. Plus, he had two of the biggest plays of the year. He had the go-ahead touchdown against Ohio State and the two-point conversion against Duke. And, yeah, now he's officially transferred to UCLA. 
When he announced his decision to transfer, it didn't make a ton of sense. And now that he announced his destination, it makes even less sense. I think this is going to be one of those transfers where we look back on a couple years from now like, what the hell happened there? Yeah, I, I think it's going to bode quite poorly for him, if we're being honest. Um, UCLA, they have the vaunted passing attack that just drove away their five-star quarterback. Yeah, who had less passing yards per game than Notre Dame did this past season. And now Notre Dame is going to hopefully get a better offensive coordinator than the one they had, and that might lead to a more effective passing game. But look, man, um, he won the award, so at least he can go out on that note. All right, and next award goes to it's uh, the Jonas Gray Award. It's the senior who has a breakthrough year. We've considered a couple other names for this one. Javon McKinley certainly would have been applicable. Asmar Bilal. Asmar Bilal, another one. Just guys who have been around. Uh, they've been playing college football for several years. It really didn't – it's not like that they were a bust, but then at the end of the year they really came on. And uh, who did you pick before the season? So I said Chris Tyree, and I also, as I'm going back on this, I think part of the reason I picked him was they don't really have a ton of true seniors. I think they only had nine undergraduate seniors this year. Um, and honestly, I, I think uh, it's fair to say that Chris Tyree won this one. Um, he led the team in receiving yards with just 484 yards, um, but he also had three receiving touchdowns. Far exceeded, I think, all of our expectations at receiver, and he also took a punt back to the house in, in doing that. Joined the list with Julius Jones, Rocket Ishmael, and Tim Brown as the only other Notre Dame players to ever score a touchdown on a punt return, kick return, rush attempt, and reception. He'll finish his career in Charlottesville next fall, but I think he really found a role for himself as a receiver this year, and I'll be intrigued to see how he does as a Cavalier next fall. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, I definitely considered him to win the award, but I do find it funny how you were like, okay, Chris Tyree leaving, I'm going to be rooting for him at Virginia, whereas Rico Flores, he's like dead to you. He got his degree. There's a little bit different there. It's true, and I think he did, um, you know, he gave everything he could to the University of Notre Dame, and yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be interested watching him next year, and he's going to have to play the Irish, so that'll be interesting. So before the season, I picked Jordan Botello, and that was a miss because Jordan Botello played a lot of snaps. He did not have a ton of production. That's not to say that he was a bad player, but it just, he didn't live up to our expectations before the season. So instead, I'm going to give it to the defensive end who lined up opposite him, Javante Jean Baptiste. Now, he was not at Notre Dame for the first several years of his career, but what he did in this, uh, in his one year at Notre Dame was really incredible. He really broke through. Uh, he's tied for fourth on the team in tackles with 47, led the team in sacks with four, and recovered a blocked field goal and returned it for a touchdown against Stanford in what I believe is the funniest play of the season when he just absolutely tossed the Stanford holder to the ground and then ran it in to the end zone. Uh, it was a great way for him to stamp his season at Notre Dame. And if you pull up his stats from Ohio State, like he was an effective player. He had uh, four sacks in the year prior to coming to Notre Dame, which is the same amount that he had this season. But if you look at his total tackles, it went 14, 6, 12, 19, and then 47 during his time at Notre Dame. So he really maximized his experience here, and I think he really elevated his draft stock in the process. Definitely. Uh, I've got him slotted for another award, but I, I think that that's a really good pick. Um, and Fairness, Jordan Matello. He had a number of injuries this year. Is what it sounds like that he was playing with. So, we'll see. Kind of seems like he's going to come back for a fifth year. If he does, maybe 
maybe this can be his award this coming year. But um, in any event, our next award is the Kyron Williams slash Joe Alt Award, the player who will have a breakout season. Um, I think we. I think I kind of nailed this one in the preseason. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you gloat a little bit? You nailed this one, and uh, yeah, you deserve it. So I said Xavier Watts, um, but even though I nailed it, I was blown out of the water with his production this season. A unanimous All-American with seven interceptions is not something even the biggest Xavier Watts stand saw coming. Um, now, the other part of this that I also did say in the preseason was that uh, I had gone off something, basically, I forget who said this, but that this was going to be Xavier Watts's last year at Notre Dame and he was going to go to the NFL. And I said, I hope that's true because it means he had a great season. I'm hoping that part is not true now. <laughs> I'm hoping he's coming back and we get a part two in 2024. Um, but yeah, I, I think X Watts is really the clear pick here. The only other guy I think you could have made a case for is Mitchell Evans, who would have led the team in receiving had he not suffered an injury. But he did, and actually something I was kind of amazed by and made sense when I thought about, Mitchell Evans only had one touchdown this year, and it was a garbage time one against Louisville. That's kind of wild to me when you think about how big of a cog he was in the passing game, but he only did have the one touchdown. Yeah, same with Rico Flores, and those are the two uh, leaders in receptions on the team, so it was kind of weird. And then, meanwhile, Jane Greathouse had five, and he yeah. missed several games, so it is kind of weird how that turned out, but I agree. I got to take Xavier Watts as well. Going into the season – um, I picked Riley Mills, which was kind of weird because he had already played a significant amount, and I think he did have uh, a really good season, but it's got to be Xavier Watts. And I remember when you said that this could be Xavier Watts last season at Notre Dame before the start of the year, and I was like, man, even even if he really does have a good year, I just never really considered it because he hadn't really played the position that long and he doesn't have the frame of someone like a Kyle Hamilton. You know, he had a pretty solid start to the season, but then from the Duke game on, he was Notre Dame's best defensive player and then ultimately won the Bronco Nagurski Award given out to the top defensive player in college football. So now the real question is, what can he possibly do for an encore? Because it does seem like he's leaning towards coming back. I really hope he does. I just, it's hard to imagine how he could uh, do anything better than what he did this season. It is. Um, I really do not know how you even replicate that, let, let alone, you know, overdo it. But I'd like to see him try. Yeah, without a doubt. All right. Let's move on to our next award, also known as the DCO Cafe Award, which is basically a hidden gem, a player who is not a starter week one, but will have a huge impact. Uh, DCO Cafe is basically um, just a tiny little food shop. I think it's in a faculty building, and at least when we were students um, early on in our undergraduate days, I don't think it was a really popular spot, but then by the time uh, my senior year came around, the line was really long during lunchtime, and frankly, that kind of pissed me off. I wish the secret had not gotten out because then it delayed my lunch process, but still, um, if it's still around, I believe it is. Uh, I hope that the current students get to enjoy it, but who was your pick before the season started? I said Bubakar Treore before the, the season. My thought process being that if Notre Dame was going to be a college football playoff team, they needed a Benjamin Morrison level freshman year performance on the defensive line. Um, a couple points there. I don't think they actually did need that. The defensive line ended up being a lot better than than I thought it was going to be. And Bubakar Traore did have that one really big moment 
against USC, um, which also probably has a case for funniest play of the year That's because true. of the celebration <laughs> afterwards. It was not funny it, in the moment, though. It yeah, was not nearly yeah. as funny. Now, it, like in the aftermath, we could look back on it and laugh. But yeah, that was that was incredibly stupid. We'll be right back with Luke to hand out some more awards. But first, I wanted to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about a role, and eventually, I got the job. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is pretty easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post a job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is actually the award where after the season now, I'm going to plug JJB because he did not start week one. He actually backed up uh, Nana Osafa Mensa in the Navy game in Dublin, steadily increased his snap count each week. And by Ohio State, he had kind of taken over that role. He played almost every snap in that game. Really, it cemented himself as a dominant force on the defensive line. And, and you already spoke about how strong of a year he had, and we'll see what that does for his draft stock. But uh, that, that's where I'm slotting him in, in this DCO Cafe award here. You brought up a good point about how before the season, everyone was talking about they need a freshman to emerge on the defensive line because expectations were pretty high for Howard Cross. I think he exceeded those. Riley Mills, I would say, probably slightly exceeded his. But JJP exceeded his so much that it it meant that Notre Dame really didn't need a freshman to emerge because um, I think people were excited about him coming into the program because he had experience. He played for Ohio State. Um, he was a good pass rusher. I just don't think anyone could have predicted him to be as effective uh, at stopping the run as he was. So Notre Dame just had a bunch of grown men on the defensive line, and they're going to continue to have that next season with R.J. Oban, the Duke transfer, playing in place of Javante Jean-Baptiste. But the rest of the defensive line is going to stay the same. So for my pick, uh, before the season, I took Holden Stays, who at the beginning of the year, that pick was looking pretty good, especially after the NC State game. But then Mitchell Evans came on, and in the role for Holden Stays uh, was pretty diminished from that point on. Like he still came in a lot, played a lot of snaps, but mostly in a blocking role. So I'm going to take some liberties with this pick. I'm going to go with the nickel, Thomas Harper. He's not technically a starter because he plays nickel, which is not a part of the base defense, but. Nickel is basically the base defense for Notre Dame now. Um, he was playing more than Jack Kaiser, who was listed as the rover. And uh, he was just a great – he was everything you would want in a nickel because he was great uh, in coverage. He was great at stopping the run. Another great one-and-done player to come through Notre Dame who is actually – Opting out of the bowl game, which we found out on Tuesday, that came that came as a, a bit of a surprise to me. But he finished with 39 tackles, three passes defended, two sacks, a forced fumble, um, and one of the biggest collisions of the year. I believe it was against Central Michigan when he just yeah. had a free shot at the quarterback, absolutely teed off on him. And uh, he was just a, a really, really effective player and something that I personally did not see coming when he transferred to Notre Dame. 
I think he totally exceeded um, our expectations, and and I think that that's a good call because, hey, I, I don't know what we thought he was going to do, but maybe Jordan Clark now can follow in that mold. I'm not sure that that's going to be feasible, but it, it, at least it's something we can dream about here. Yeah, imagine what the over-under was on games started between Thomas Harper and Cam Hart, two guys with histories of shoulder injuries. Yeah. And – to their credit, I think Thomas Harper only missed one game. Cam Hart didn't mi- miss a single one. So two guys who were relatively injury-prone, both of them ended up having stellar seasons in 2023. Absolutely. Uh, next award here, the Brothers Bar and Grill Award, which is the <laughs> position group or player that might frustrate you at times that will deliver when it counts. For those not familiar, Brothers Bar and Grill on Eddy Street in South Bend, just outside of campus. Theory should be a really good bar. A lot of space, nice outdoor patio, should have good cheap food. And, and when it delivers, it's very good. But um, they also have a propensity for horrendous service um, can, and just a lot I, of uh, I was going to say, I just realized we might need a new name for this award. It's not specific to South Bend, but I think you know where I'm going with this. I think we could call it the Buffalo Wild Wings Award, which makes oh me my, sad. Oh, my gosh. I just yeah, went, I mean – I just went again this past weekend, dude, and the service at every single one of them is just so bad now. I, yeah, that is true. I, the last, like, there was a period of time where I was flying to Atlanta for work a lot, and I would stop there on Fridays flying back to Chicago, and they were out of wings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like multiple times. How does that happen? Wait, multiple times? Like, this happened probably three weeks in a row at one point. What was their excuse? We- I don't know. It could have been a supply chain issue. I guess the Atlanta airport Buffalo Wild Wings was was not high on the priority yeah. list of, of beat ups. But yeah, that out of wings, out of burgers, like just like didn't have anything really. Yeah. Brothers at least is like it's a chain for sure. But our experience uh, is so confined to the one in South Bend. I think I actually did go to the Brothers um, in Bloomington when I visited IU mm. and it was about the same, like big college party, like cheap drinks, that kind of stuff. So it was fun. But I'm getting to the point now, and I grew up going to beat ups. Like I love their hot barbecue wings and they're back, which is why I've gone, I think, twice in the past couple months. But I went to one uh, out here in LA and I'm like, okay, that one was really bad. Let me try another one. And that one was somehow worse. Like, And every time I look up on maps, they they all have like two out of five star ratings on Yelp. And I, I mean, like I, outside of the one at the airport, I, there's only one in Lincoln park here. It's awful. Actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's <laughs> one of the worst. Everybody just seems so pissed off in there too. Like nobody wants to be working in there. Dude, how the mighty have fallen. Because when I was younger, I thought beat ups was like fine cuisine. It was the best too. Cause they, they always had like arcade games too. When I was a kid. Yeah. It was awesome. It's, we went there after fallen. basically every baseball game. I think they got bought by a private equity firm and uh, it just went down the tubes. But uh, speaking of going down the tubes, Notre Dame basketball is down 16 to the Citadel <laughs> right now in the second half. And Citadel is being led by former Notre Dame walk-on Elijah Morgan, who has 18 points. I mean, look, I, <laughs> we all knew that there was going to be a learning curve in the first year of the Micah Shrewsbury era. Revenge game. Yeah, it was like, dude, they were only down like five when we started yeah, it's, recording. Yeah, it's 55 to 39. Uh, so, wait, we're way off now, but this award. Um, what award? Yeah, exactly. Who, who did you have in the preseason? Um, okay, <laughs> so I 
I had the wide receivers, which was yeah. a miss because they didn't they, deliver. They didn't deliver at all. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, maybe I was too harsh on the wide receivers throughout the season, but man, they were frustrating. Just the injuries that mounted up. That's not really their fault, but it seems like what for the third or fourth year in a row now, Notre Dame is running out with like three guys in the rotation. And of those three guys, only one can actually produce. So I think the real winner of this award has to be the special teams unit as a whole, because yes, it was frustrating watch watching Spencer Schrader miss some chip shot field goals, especially early on in the year. Um, His miss against Ohio state really ended up uh, to come back and bite the Irish in that game. And fairness to Schrader, I think it was like a 48-yarder, but considering how much we had to hear about his limitless range, I kind of look at 48 as a chip shot for him, and uh, that was a kick he simply had to make, and he didn't. But quietly, I think that this year's special teams unit was actually better than the one led by Brian Mason in 2022 because they, even though they didn't block any punts, they still created a ton of havoc plays, including three blocked field goals, including one that was returned for a touchdown that I mentioned earlier. They had a punt return for a touchdown against Pitt. Uh, they also had a muff punt that they recovered for a touchdown against Pitt as well. And then they had the huge kickoff return by Jadarian Price against USC, which is arguably uh, one of the best plays of the entire season. So terrific job by Marty Biaggi in year one as the special teams coordinator. So I also had the wide receivers preseason, and as we noted, they didn't deliver. I I agree with you on special teams, also because the frustration was more profound than just Spencer Schrader missing kicks. Um, You had two fumbled kickoffs. You had Chris Tyree muffing a punt in a bad way against Clemson, too. So I think that that fits... You could make an argument for running backs here, but it's honestly through no fault of their own. It's rather the play calling and the lack of usage of the running backs or the usage of Jabron Payne (laughs) just inexplicably on third down. Um, But I don't really think that's their fault. Yeah, the running back rotation, I know it's it's cool that Notre Dame has a bunch of guys, but when you watch – Guys like Jadarian Price, Audrey Gasme, and then Jeremiah Love. Like when they run the ball, it's just a little bit different. But I honestly forgot how frustrating that unit was. Maybe I just blacked out Chris Tyree's muff punt uh, against Clemson. That was so bad. He also had yeah. the one against Duke. Too. Yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating at times. But hey, that is that is sort of the essence of this award. Yeah, exactly. All right, this next one. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's more of like a preseason award. It's the four hundred one k award. The player who might not have the biggest impact this fall, but whose progress you'll be watching closely. I'll, I'll start here. I picked Christian Gray in the preseason, but he honestly ended up playing a decent amount this year, more so than, than I thought he was going to, which kind of eliminates him. Um, he had eight tackles, including one highlight reel interception against Pitt. So instead, I'm going to give like a honorary award to Charles Jagasaw because he was not on my radar at all when we first did this because he was coming off major surgery, but he shot his way all the way up to the, uh, all the way up the depth chart and is now going to start at left tackle in the Sun Bowl. So quite a rise for him uh, in his freshman season. And now watching him is going to be one of the most intriguing parts of this bowl game. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hard to argue with that really came out of nowhere. Um, And I'm curious to see who starts opposite him at the other tackle, but Good on him, and if he's just a penciled-in starter for week one in Kyle Field, that's fantastic. Um, I went with Kenny Minchie in the preseason, and I'm going to stick with him here. It sounds like, by all accounts, the coaching staff is really pleased with his progress, and they feel pretty good about him, um, and they're pretty confident that 
one of him or CJ Carr is going to be the starter in 2025 is what it seems like. Or Deuce Knight. But uh, it seems like this is kind of the last year of getting a portal guy. And in the preseason, I was wondering what getting a portal guy might do for him. And we'll see what the QB room looks like by the end of spring and and where Minchie falls in it. But it sounds like he's in a pretty good place. Yeah, I really hope Minchie sticks around because I'm really high on him. And for as much praise as CJ Carr gets, and and for good reasons, um, really talented prospect. But I think we kind of forget just how big of a pickup it was to get Kenny Minchie so late in the cycle last season. I mean, he decommitted from Pitt right before the Boston College game in 2022, came, took a visit, and then committed to Notre Dame. Like He was really impressive at the Elite 11, and I have a feeling that he, if he sticks around, uh, it, it's going to work out for him. It's kind of like the, the Ian Book thing where it's guys who kind of get overlooked, but they stick around, and then things really work out for them at the end of their career. Luke and I still have more awards to hand out, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about FanDuel because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel lately, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. For my pick this week, I'm sticking with Thursday Night Football. I know I've had a rough go at it uh, as of late, but I'm riding with the Rams minus four and a half against the Saints Thursday Night Football. Um, we're going to get out of this hole. We're going to keep trying here. So take the Rams minus four and a half and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, what award do we have next? We got the Toledo Award next. The uh, what the hell was that game? Could have been the Ball State Vanderbilt slash Louisville 2020 award. We don't speak of those two games that happened in 2022, but I think you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, what did you say in the preseason? So I picked Duke, which in a way was pretty accurate up until Notre Dame won. At, at the beginning of the game, Notre Dame came out. They ran uh, that fake punt. They converted it. They scored, and you're like, okay, um, Notre Dame's defense was looking really good too. So it felt like a game that Notre Dame should win comfortably. They were driving the ball a lot, uh, down the fields in the first half, and then they just could not come up with points. And then they needed a, a miraculous touchdown drive there at the end to save them. But I got to take Louisville here because it was like a perfect storm for all the wrong reasons. It was the biggest game in Louisville in years. Notre Dame was Completely spent going into that one after coming off two emotionally draining games uh, against Ohio State and then Duke the week after. That game absolutely sucked, and uh, I don't really understand how Notre Dame laid such an egg in that one. It's definitely going to be something that Marcus Freeman has to figure out in the offseason because even though they were tired, uh, they, they put up a complete zero in that one. Even though they actually had a chance there in the third quarter, didn't work out got their asses handed to him in the fourth, and that was that. Notre Dame really needs to get some revenge next year or else I'm going to hear about it even more, and I'm just really not ready for all that. Yeah, so I said Louisville in the preseason. Um, there's nothing more to really say here. I just remember getting back to my apartment after watching that just yelling Louisville to myself because it's a joke <laughs> that they lost to that garbage team. Jack Harlow's a creep. That's all I got. Uh, I guess it's a bad time to put out. I have a Louisville sweatshirt on, but it's Oof. not Louisville Cardinals. I didn't even yes. realize, think about that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that it's it's a shirt for the city, not the sure. school or the football program. Okay, next up we have most valuable player, and then we got one more award after that. And uh, 
This this was a complicated pick. Who did you end up taking? For MVP? Um, so I said Sam Hartman in the preseason, and my thought process was they brought him in to elevate them to a playoff team, and he came to Notre Dame to elevate his draft stock. I thought he was going to be a 24-year-old playing against kids. And, and it didn't really quite work out that way. Uh, it was pretty good for the most part, but it, it didn't work out that way. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Audrick Estime. Though Notre Dame did its best not to give him the opportunities <laughs> they should have, I think it has to be him. He was snubbed by the Doak Walker Committee and snubbed by his own team, who did give the MVP <laughs> to Sam Hartman. He finished the season with 1,341 yards and 18 touchdowns. And, and more than anything, he seemed to just really love and embrace Notre Dame, and it embraced him back. So uh, I'm going to give him this recognition here. I think he could probably give it to Xavier Watsy, give it to Joe Alt, give it to a number of people, but I'm going with Audrick Estime. So I went a little different in the preseason because I picked Audrick Estime, uh, and there is certainly a case to be made that he should have won this award. But the problem is Notre Dame didn't give him the ball enough in some that really is true. key moments. Like, yes, he got the touchdown against Duke. That was unreal. But he didn't get the ball on the last three plays against Ohio State. And honestly, if he had... I think that game would have turned out differently. I think it would have gotten another first down because he already picked up a first down in that drive. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, and he didn't get the ball hardly at all in the second half against Clemson. So basically, it, it's really not his fault here. It's the fault of the team and the coaching staff for not feeding him in some really key moments. So I actually am going to take Sam Hartman uh, because I think two things – are true about the Sam Hartman experience. He didn't live up to the expectations we had for him going into the year, but I think it was still a net positive, and he made a really solid impact on the team. And I think you could directly uh, attribute one more win on the win-loss record because they had Sam Hartman, referring to that Duke game. So I, I don't think you can do that with really any other player. So I, I think I got to give it to him. And yeah, I mean, he laid a complete egg against Clemson, and it wasn't what we thought it'd be, but... Um, I think we can still appreciate what he did for this team and this program, and I think that's why the team actually gave him uh, the real MVP award at the Echoes Banquet just uh, a few days prior to us doing this. Fair enough. Um, ending on a more positive note, or I guess yeah, an equally positive note, uh, the MIN Utopia, no, this is South Bend Award, also known as the biggest win of the year. What would you go with here? So I feel like it, USC is – like a great pick um, because beating Caleb Williams that night was so special. But in terms of like the pure joy I had after, um, I think it's got to be the Duke game because the whole week leading up to that was absolutely miserable coming off the Ohio State game and everything that happened in that one. And then the game for the most part was miserable. And then Sam Hartman leads that drive down the field Notre Dame wins, and at the time, it felt like everything was still possible for Notre Dame. Like, the season was on the brink. Then it, it felt like it was saved all in one, and at the time, it still felt like Notre Dame uh, could scratch and claw their way to a playoff berth because they just had the one loss to Ohio State that came down to the wire. So I'm basing this off of how I felt at the very end of the game, like when the final buzzer sounded, how was I feeling? And it really felt like just a, a much-needed rush of serotonin uh, after Notre Dame was able to knock off Duke. But I also felt great against USC, but unfortunately by that point, Notre Dame's postseason hopes were, were all but gone. 
Yeah, I think your logic makes sense there. I, I did go with USC because although they ended up not being very good and the season was over and, and it subdued a little bit of the atmosphere, just dominating Caleb Williams in, in front of a bunch of NFL scouts on a Saturday night in South Bend was tremendous. And you can never take for granted beating the hell out of USC, a team that has not won in, in South Bend since 2011. And that's exactly what that was. Um, it was awesome being able to see that. The preseason pick for both of us was Ohio State, and that that actually probably would have absolutely lived up to the billing more than any game has um, since we've been doing these awards. But um, unfortunately, somebody decided to drop an interception and somebody decided not to be on the field on the last two plays of the game, and so we don't have that moment. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> man, were we close. Because yeah. it really would have been Utopia that night in South Bend. Instead of Utopia, I was – shell-shocked and numb, and my parents yeah. and I had to drive back to Chicago that night, which was always in the plans. It's not like we made the decision, oh, well, Notre Dame lost, now we have to drive back to Chicago. That was always going to be the case, but we were walking out of the stadium, like, as soon as Chip Trainum scored there, like, we were basically at the exit because we knew he had scored, and then I remember vividly hearing the PA announcer, we're already out of the stadium by this point, and it's like, by an inch, by a yard, Notre Dame comes up short, and I, like, I don't even know. I was It was like an out-of-body experience. There was literally the complete opposite of utopia. It was literal hell, and uh, I, I don't think we're going to ever forget that one. No. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but did you were at the USC game. Was it even close? Because I wasn't at that one. I was watching it on TV, even though Notre Dame wasn't in the playoff hunt anymore. Like, what was that like after that game? Oh, it was great. Don't get me wrong. It, it was still a lot of fun. And I think, honestly, having the pressure of having nothing to lose made that day a little bit more enjoyable, um, even though the weather was terrible um, for most of that day. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it, it did not compare to what, what that Ohio State atmosphere would have been. Yeah, it's not re- – <laughs> It's not really uh, a great sign for this season as we look back on it that like the our two best wins uh, that we were talking about here are against a USC team that finished seven and five. And what did Duke finish up here? I'm looking at it now. Seven and five. I think seven and five. Yeah, <laughs> that's so two yeah. seven and five teams. Um, especially considering what we thought the schedule was going to be going into the season, and as we start to look ahead to next year a little bit. Um, depending on what happens with Florida State, there might not really be a great opportunity in the regular season, at least for Notre Dame, to get that signature win. But who knows? Like, we sit here today, we think the schedule is going to be one thing, and then it ends up being a lot different. Well, hey, Louisville's loading up in the portal once again, so maybe you can beat the brakes off those losers. <laughs> That's true. We really need to do that. For for my own sanity, my own well-being, Notre Dame needs to beat Louisville pretty decisively next year. All right, um, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? We got the Sun Bowl next week. Uh, Jared Parker just left. Any uh, final thoughts? No. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where all this offensive coordinator stuff shakes out, and uh, it's kind of wild that there is still a game to be played as part of this campaign, but there is, and uh, we'll see how that one goes. All right. We will talk to you again post-Sun Bowl. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of great things to say about how the Irish fared in El Paso. Everyone knows that's one of our favorite cities here yeah. on this show, but until then, I'll talk to you later. All right. Later. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. As I said at the top, I'm taking some time off to go to Florida and spend Christmas with my family. I'm bringing my mic, though, just in case. 
Notre Dame hires a new offensive coordinator or any other crazy news breaks while I'm on vacation. If it does, I'll try and squeeze in an emergency podcast. But regardless, I will definitely be back next week after Christmas to preview the Sun Bowl. And in the meantime, you can subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast and follow the show on X at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal X account at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'll talk to you again soon.